to another episode, episode number 10 of podcast on mental health and self-care for caregivers. Today, I have an exciting show, not only an exciting show, but an exciting guest uh, here with me today. First of all, good morning. Good morning, Sharon. How are you? I'm fine. How are you doing? I'm fine. Thank you. Thank you for being here. This is, I want to introduce you uh, to all our listeners out here that's listening because we're celebrating National Family Caregivers Month. Don't you look lovely in your lavender? You look so gorgeous. And, uh, you know, that's the color that we use. And this is Miss Kay Hunter. Miss Kay Hunter is a caregiver and was a caregiver to her husband for many years. And, you know, I wanted to bring a, a different flavor of caregivers to the community so people could see people like us, African-Americans, are out here doing our part being caregivers too. So welcome to the mic. Thank you very much for inviting me. And I'm just very appreciative that I'm here. And maybe I'll be able to pass something on to someone else. That's what it's all about. Yes, ma'am. That's what it's all about. Because being a caregiver can be very hard and very taxing, you know, on anybody. And I know you know that. Yes, ma'am, it is. It is the most thankful or thankless job that there is. I like the way you put that. Yes. (laughs) But, I mean, you know... You wanted to be glad that you were there to do it, but if you had to do it all over again, you would do it, right? I would do exactly, if not more, I believe. I believe so. I believe I would have. You know, um, you know, Kay, I'm going to call her Kay, people, because we're going to keep this personal up here. Uh, I don't think she and I would know how to do it no other way. But Kay was a caregiver of her loving husband. For how many years, Kay? Uh, started out uh, with several, several years. Uh, we started out where he was able to continue to do some things uh, around the house. Um, he was disabled from his job, which was in the early uh, 2000s. And uh, he was able to go for quite some time and then we had other medical things that came about uh first uh, he ended up having a eye disease vision and was losing his vision and then there were other things that came about where so it was over a course of uh, uh i say 10 plus years uh, that you saw it coming on we saw it coming on and uh, as he started to decline the progression and everything so it was it was it was quite a bit i say at least over 10 10 years or more well how long ago was it when you all met when you got married that's what i meant by how long well i actually met him we we met as children uh, as children as, as teenagers we lived in the same neighborhood uh but during that time you know I wasn't really into him, and I guess he was into me, but I wasn't into him (laughs) at the time, and that was in our teen years, 
and uh, we happened to move from the neighborhood over to the east side of town, and they still were out south. But we met back up uh, during our uh, college days at the University of Tennessee at Chattanooga. Okay. And so that's where we, we kind of reconnected uh, and everything and, and met him. So over the course, on and off, we, we kind of said it was meant to be. How many years were you married? We were married a total of 47 years. 47 years? 47 years. Wow. Yeah. I didn't say a glorious years because but, they were some up and down, but, but they were 47 years. But we have years. to let, let people know just like Frankie Beverly would oh, say. Yes. There's a little joy yes. and a little pain. And a little pain. Yeah. 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 You yes. know, but that's all right. But you all got married uh, early. You knew him before that time period. So it just felt like he was always there. Because, you know, when I would see him, I would always see you. That is correct. Everywhere we would go, everywhere in a baseball game, in a, in a car dealership, getting our cars fixed, whatever, you know, you all would be together. And uh, it just seems so unusual with you by yourself now. I guess that's pretty hard since he passed away. So uh, let's let's just uh, talk about his journey in regards to you being that caregiver because we have to talk about the caregiver. Sometimes we stay so focused on the person that we forget to talk about the caregiver. And so we need to start supporting mm -hmm. caregivers. And I know you used to keep a journal. Mm -hmm. You had a booklet and you would jot down everything along this journal, uh, in this journey uh, from what doctor's appointments and what everything you had to do. You kept it down because you were going in and you would flip back to those pages and you would look through them and make sure you... I guess was at the right place today. Right place. And it got to a point where I had to be his eyes, his arms, his legs, the independent, I, I say the negotiator, you know, advocate for him a lot of the times. And so my thing was, is I kept this pad with me at all times to keep everything down. Because the thing is, with the journey, you meet a lot of different people, professional and otherwise. So some of the things that was being told to you, some of the uh, tests that were being done, medications and things. So a lot of it was just so much, you ended up just kind of putting everything down. And if you have to revert back to it, as some of those same people... You work. You revert back. Said, "Well, on such and such time, you told me this. He was supposed to have taken this, or he was supposed to have had this. You know, type of uh, diagnosis done. You know, what about reverting back? So it it was a good thing for note taking at that uh, particular time. If anybody knew my husband, uh, he was he got down to a person where he didn't like for you to ask him a lot of questions no. or give out a lot of information." So it was very, very good that I did have a lot of that journal, that journal and that note taken there uh, too, because like I said, I was his eyes, his ears, you know, and even his mouthpiece. Uh, and you did a superb job at that as a caregiver. I want you to know that. 
Thank you. And I thank God. I thank God that I was, he, he allowed me to stay here to, to take care of you. You know, um, just being a caregiver and giving up so much time for yourself, but time for whoever, it could be your spouse or it could be anybody is, is really hard. And, you know, me as a provider, I'm witnessing and I'm watching, even though I might be cutting up sometimes because I found out that laughter makes the heart feel better. So I cut up with you a lot of times, not saying that I'm not paying attention. So I watched you. I watched you. You were so caring, not just for your husband, but for anybody that chose to do something for your husband. I mean, when you would pay me each month for the day center, you would send me little notes, cards. Who else do that but Kay? And I miss that too. And I want you to know how much I appreciate it and how thoughtful I thought it was. And I read every word. Well, I, I thank, thank you. Uh, when we started this journey, uh, that was the thing of, of just finding resourceful, good people that would take care of your loved ones just like you would. I, I thank God every day that you came into our life uh, to even give me a break at certain intervals because caregivers do need a break. Right. Physically, mentally, spiritually, they need a break. Even sometimes... When someone started coming in on your territory, you didn't really want to let us in. Mm -hmm. But it got so hard and tiresome on you, you know you needed to go get a break. We even started talking to you about the beauty salons mm -hmm. and where you can get your nails done. And you would really uh, take hold to the employees here and find out where they got stuff done. Taking time to get those massages. I love those full body massages. Just to take time out to take care of myself. Right. Uh, because even on this journey, you don't realize how much the caregiver lacks themselves to take care of the one that they need to take care of. And a lot of times by them lacking, you know, most of the time, the person you're taking care of may still be here. The caregiver may be gone right. just because of that, you know, not being taken care of and seen after. Uh, you lose a lot of, of sleep. Uh, you sometimes forget to eat. And just the basic nutrition of taking care of yourself. Because you're so in tune to taking care of somebody else, mm -hmm. especially somebody that you love, mm -hmm. like you love Rodney. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, uh, and I, I witnessed that, and I witnessed you, and I said, you know, you have to take some time. You go ahead. I'll sit here with him. I don't care if the other employees left or whatever. I would stay because I wanted you to take that time because I know how important it is. But, you know, uh, tell on the Esther, uh, the disease uh procrastinated it went on and he lost his vision mm -hmm. i mean i know that that was hard on you you just wanted him to use that stick and I he wouldn't use that stick for nothing that cane and he would not 
use that cane for nothing. And no. Even when they built him a special uh, device, a walking device, he would not use that either. He would much rather hold on to my arm or hold on around the window or trail or whatever to feel his way. And we had a lot of knockdown drag outs about that cane. I know I watched yes, several of them. Yes, yes. I watched several of them. And they were so cute, but they could be so hard sometimes, I know. He could be very, very cantankerous about some things. And I, I think by him having an engineering mind or base, you know, he knew how things were supposed to operate. And uh, he ended up, when the cane was ordered, uh, he told the person who was working with him at the time, he said, well, you know, this cane doesn't make sense because it doesn't equal out of when I'm walking. He said, if you have a cane, why don't you have two? One in one hand, right? One in the left to equal out as you're walking. How do you do that? And I'm looking kind of dumbfounded at the therapist. <laughs> and then the next thing I know, they're trying to make him something where it will equal out like a lawnmower effect cane. So that's just kind of how his mind was. That's how I was. Yeah, that's how his, his mind was. But so far as using that cane for help or support, could not ever get him to use it. Wow. And even when we moved to the rollator, the quad, could not get him to use it. I think it was more about pride. It was. Than it anything. Was. It was. It's male pride. Yes, it male is. Male pride. Male pride. Black man pride, too, because he wouldn't have used that thing. But, uh, you know, uh, I, I love the story that you share with me as you and I was standing at Walmart. You told me. You told me about he always wanted you to spend the night when he ended up having to go to the facility mm -hmm. for a while. And mm -hmm. uh, you 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 weren't going to stay the night. No. Tell us about the night thing. No, uh, it was something, uh, it got to a point where uh, he had what they call sundowners. Mm -hmm. But he always had this inward inclination of when it was getting dark. Even though his vision was very much comprom compromised, and by that time he was legally blind, and uh, he would always uh, start, we'd have our little conversation or whatever, because usually after dinner when he was at the facility, it wasn't long after they would be ready to go to sleep, put him down for, for the night. And uh, he would start, and he asked about what time, and I'd tell him what time it was, and what does it look like outside? I said, well, it's getting dark. Okay, are you going to spend the night tonight? No, I don't think I'm going to spend the night tonight. I've got to sleep in my bed. Because, of course, I, I have some uh, injuries and, and some things uh, health-wise with me. And uh, if you were to see the hospital bed, it wasn't enough room for no, both of not. us to get to it's sleep. It's a twin-size bed. Yeah, to sleep. And uh, so we would start our little ritual uh, there. And uh, it was like putting a baby to sleep. You know, you, you sit there and you sing, you pray or whatever. And uh, tell him, I'm going to leave the music going and I'm going to get ready 
to go. And of course, he would ask, did you leave any lights on or whatever? Because he was always concerned. He was always concerned about you. us, about me and his family. Always, It was always that asking about us. And I said, yeah, I left lights on, but it's getting dark. So I think I'm going to go ahead and, and get ready. And uh, I said, you know, you'll be okay. You know, someone will be in here to check with him. And I would leave the music going because music was very, very calming for him. But we'd always have our little ritual and it never failed. Every night it was the same old same thing. You're not going to spend the night? No, I'm not going to spend the night. I'm going to go home and sleep in my bed. But that, especially when he first got there, that went on for quite some time. And then gradually, uh, I don't know, in regard to the disease where, you know, they don't verbalize as much. Right. But uh, you can tell he would turn and they say a fragment is getting dark or it's dark. And then I knew then it would be okay because the music would calm him. And the next thing I know, he would be, you know, get at ease and would be falling off to sleep. And then I'd, I'd slip on out. Slip and I'd on out. On. Yeah. I'd but be on. back when? Uh, usually I would come back. He had a relative, a, a favorite niece that would come um, in the mornings because she worked night shift. So once she actually got off in the morning, seven, eight o'clock, she would come on to take, you know, look after him and make sure he got his breakfast and everything. And the facility was very, very good about, you know, getting him up, doing the personal hygiene with him and everything. And she would make sure about his breakfast. But I would usually try to go uh, anytime by lunch or the afternoons. And, Just and such a dedicated caregiver yeah. you well, were. As a caregiver, you're kind of nosy, too. You kind of want to oversee what's going on. Mm -hmm. And you kind of want to go at different times, make sure, see what's going on. Because you got to remember that's your priority. Yeah. That's your priority. And uh, it's a lot of things you hear and read about, little horror stories. So most of the time, I would make sure I, you know, go in there impromptu. It'd be a different time, all the time. But anytime after lunch, about lunchtime, anything afternoon, I'm usually coming, coming in, you know, just to see how he's doing. And sometimes I tiptoe down just to kind of oversee and hear, you right. know, uh, of what's going on and everything. But they were very good about, you know, taking care of him. That's excellent. And, uh, keeping us informed of, you know, what was going on with him and everything. And it took some time for him to get adjusted. Right. But uh, eventually, you know, everything mm -hmm. worked out okay. Because they were a good asset for me. Because at that point, I, I couldn't have continued with him being at home. And you knew that. I accepted that. It was hard it to was accept. Hard. Uh, even when the social worker and the, uh, the nurse recommended that he would need 24-hour care and I kept telling him, I said I think I'll be able to do it maybe if I get some support more support in the home but um, reality sinks in very 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 soon right it does right because at that point in time people looking from the outside looking in we can look at you uh you can we can see the aging process start taking on 
your character yes, and start hitting your body. Mm -hmm. How can you be a good caregiver to someone when you need to care for yourself first? Mm -hmm. Before we can care for anybody else, we got to care for me. We have to be number do one it. priority regardless. Yes. We really do. Yes. Uh, and, and most of the time, that's the most difficult uh, task, too, because you really take your vows and comes into play, you know, through sickness and health. Right. It was hard. It right. comes into play. Right. And I, I know that you probably uh, looked at that, uh, that you said for sickness and in health, and you took, um, uh, you know, tuned to, you know, hey, I got to be right here even if it kills me. So I know you. Because like I said, you didn't see you without him, and you didn't see him without you. That's true. That is so true. And that was for years mm -hmm. that I've seen you guys together we, in different places. You would always be together. We were a pair. We were a package deal. You were. Mm -hmm. You definitely was that. Now, when did he pass away? Uh, Rodney passed away June the 17th of 2023. It's going on five months now. So this is a new thing. Yes, it is. It's no longer we. It's me. It's, right. it's me now. Yeah. Well, I know today um, when I saw you earlier, you told me you were going to uh, a greeting, a grief seminar, a grief. What is that you go to? I, I usually uh, every week uh, the actual program that Rodney was involved in was Hospice of Chattanooga. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that they provide during this journey, uh, end of life care, is bereavement, spousal bereavement counseling. So this is offered every week um, that we have the chaplain that was assigned to Rodney. Um, they provide that for the, the spouse the bereaved spouse. That's excellent. Yes, and it has it has helped me tremendously during this transition where he's no longer physically here. Right. I had had counseling before through mm -hmm. Grief Share, uh, which was a tremendous asset also prior to because um, the thing was of even the transitions of when Rodney was declining, his physical body was here even though mentally you could tell some of the of it was beginning to leave or the timeline in regard to that when uh, I mentioned earlier where if you know Rodney, he was very, very talkative, very, very information, informative, highly intelligent. I mean, he could right. keep facts about everything, but it got down to a point where he didn't verbalize. Uh, very, very much, and then even some of the things that maybe talk, he talked about didn't make sense to you or I, right? you know, uh, too. So that it got down to that point, but there still was things with the other senses that I could, we could calm him by touch or calm him down or whatever you could tell when he was upset about some things you could tell when he was in pain that you could kind of calm him down just by holding his hand or just bracing, calming his arms or just sitting there talking with him. 
in, in, in his ears. They say hearing is the last to go. So that's one of the things you just get down, you know, close to the ear and just, just talk. Well, I'm sure you talk to him a lot. I bet he can steal you now. But, uh, you know, and I'm just cutting up with you. I have to yeah. make you laugh. But, um, I mean, you know, I find it to be very hard as a caregiver to have gone through all that. And for 47 years, like you said, being married to this man being there for all those years and he's not there. So I think the griefing process, uh, you should, you know, spend some time with somebody else to talk with, you know, talk that through. And it's only been five months. So everybody grieves differently. And uh, you do. I'm sure you do. And I am so glad that you wake up on Thursday, on Wednesday morning, and and think about today I got to do this at this time. You look forward to it because that's a way for you to talk about how your feelings have been you through the week. You can talk about it, and also you can listen to other uh, spouses that are grieving too. And like you said, grief is different for everybody. It's not a perfect plan. It's nothing that's written in stone that it actually works. It's different and unique for everybody. So that's what I like about this spousal grief share. Most of the spouses, uh, long-term, we have some that have been a widow or widowers, you know, for as long, several years. And then we have some as least as two months. But still, you get to see how everybody is getting there together and how we're coping, the strategies. We listen. Uh, some days, you know, it may be just a poem. Somebody's written a poem. Or it may be someone has a trigger that happened to them where they're emotional. But at least we're there together. And I think that's healing for each one of us. That's the kind of support that'll help you get through. Yes. You know, um, before we get ready to close the show today, I wanted you to look out in the audience and I I want you to just talk to the caregivers that you know that you feel like would benefit for some words that you want to say as a caregiver that maybe helped you through or can help them through. Um, Something that maybe you did that you would probably change if you had the opportunity of doing some things differently as a caregiver. I mean, you know, I want you to speak from the heart and say, what what would you want to tell another caregiver that's on this journey? I think, um, I think originally when Rodney first came down or diagnosed uh, with what was wrong with him, which was October of 2021, of which I was just taking him for a wellness check of actually about his walking. And uh, even after that, um, they the doctors did not want to run the necessary test at that time because I kept saying, well, you know, what about an MRI? Let's try this. Let's try that. 
and uh, they kind of pushed it to the side. Well, no, and a lot of it they wanted to put on the eye disease, the vision. Well, that was not the case. And then I found myself, uh, don't go back and think about what if or regrets in regard to that. We all have a plan, and God sets that plan. And everything was done according to the plan. You know, it, it's not about a what if or regret. Don't hold that against yourself. You know, you do what you can when it comes or presented to you. You try to do what you can. We didn't have a lot of resources in regard to his blindness uh, in, in that regard. But we did the best that we could with his other senses right. that, that went about. Um, and I think medically, if you are a caregiver, make sure that you take care of yourself. Eat like you should. Exercise. If you're on medication, take your medication. Try to rest as much as you possibly can. And my thing is, um, my husband used to always say I was obsessive compulsive disorder. <laughs> I just, certain things I just wanted to have all in place. And it was no way I could actually do that. No matter how much planning there was, there's always something that's going to come about you have no control over. And in that regard, you reach out to people that can possibly help you and let them help you. Yes. That was my biggest drawback. Uh, you sit there and say, I can do this. I can do this. And people will call. They'll come up. I can do that. And I said, no, I've got it. I've got it. But let those people help you. Help you. Um, and even when it comes to the help, you may not feel like you need it at that time. Go ahead and accept that help because eventually on down the road, you're going to need it. That's where I'm so thankful that God put you in our lot, in our path for my husband. I never wanted him to be in a day program. And I felt like he wouldn't have worked down here in a day program with you, but you know, you kept, you were very positive, said, oh, just bring him on down here. I'll, I'll take care of him. He'll be okay. He'll be okay. You'll be okay, too. And so I thank God for that, that people are sent to you to help you and accept that help. Accept that help because you're going to need it. You don't realize that you're, you're actually going to need it. And uh, I also thank God that I had a very supportive family. But the only thing about even having a supportive family, they have physical limitations too. Right. So that was thing, but they were always there, you know, saying, well, if you need this, I'm here, you know, whatever. And then, you know, of course, we all have mothers. They never stop being mothers. Well, no. No, they're always going to look after their children. You know, and they would always, you know, I have a mother, she calls two and three times a day, trying to see how everything, how we going, how, wow. you know, how he was going. So it's good to have a supportive family. And then I thank God. I thank God that he was able to be with us on this journey. When I first started out, 
I didn't think I was going to be able to go through this. I didn't think I was going to be able to. And my cheerleader on the side was Rodney. <laughs> he was my cheerleader on the side. He helped you through, yeah, baby. he helped me through. Yes, he did. Yeah. So it, it, it's, it, it usually works out that way. Um, there had been a time where I was in a very bad wreck back in 99 and 2000. And my husband was still working at the time, and he had to take care of me. Yes, he did. Yeah. I didn't drive for two whole years. Uh, I was in a bad wreck. I had a lot of fear. Um, had to go for therapy, doctor's appointments. He was working full time, but he didn't miss a beat. He took care of me physically. So I just said that God turns it around to where it was my turn to take care of him. Yes. And you thought about them vows. Yes, I thought about those vows. <laughs> and you did a fantastic job. I thought about those And vows. you were the wife that he chose for 47 years to be there to death do you part. Yes. And that's what you made sure of. And I just want to tell you a happy Caregiver's Month because I know you went through a lot. But look at you now. You are coming back to life. Because God will renew you. Yes, he will. You just got to accept the renewal as one. Because he's got Rodney. Yes, he Yeah, he's got Rodney. And I would like to thank you, Kay, for telling your story. Because I'm sure it helped some caregiver out there that's going through the same thing that you're going through or have gone through in this world. Yes. So I say thank you. Thank you for coming out, and I love you, and ain't nothing you can do about it. Well, thank you for inviting me, and I hope I've said something, and in the coming days that I'll be able to meet someone and maybe pass on some information that they'll very much need. That's, yes. that's what we're supposed to do. As we're blessed, you're supposed to pass your blessing on to, to other people, and that's how you continue to be blessed. I'm sure they will. Yes. And don't forget to like it, comment, give us a comment, and subscribe to Mental Health and Self-Care for Caregivers. And uh, this is Kay Hunter, and you can look at this podcast anytime you want to. Share it with family members and friends. It's